Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. It is just Naz and Jess Ashley. Lauren's on here today, which is ironic because this episode is about friendships. So I was like, Lauren, why aren't you here for our friendship podcast? I mean, she's my sister, but she's also my best friend. So um, on this podcast, we're going to be talking to a friendship a friendship expert. Um, so her name is Danielle Jackson, and she's on the line right now. Hey, Danielle. Hello, Danielle. Hello, ladies. Thank you for having me. What the heck is a friendship therapist slash expert? Coach. Yeah, so, coach. yeah, so I am a friendship coach. Yeah, and you know what? I talk to women about how to make friends, how to keep friends, mm-hmm. how to navigate hard conversations, how to let friends go gracefully. And um, I think it's always funny because whenever I do introduce myself uh, as a friendship coach, you know, you kind of get people looking at you like, oh, that's that's cute. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, okay. Uh, but, you know, we've made it normal to get support in literally every other area in our lives except for friendships, which is arguably the most um, critical relationship we'll ever have. So I'm glad that it's starting to become a little more normal. It is. It's funny that you say the most critical. I find that to be so true because I actually, we Ashley and I watched your TikTok. I know some of your TikToks have gone viral and you said that, basically said that like the quality of your friendships, I think especially female, female friendships, friendships um, really impact the quality of your life. Yeah. And it was interesting to see the comments because you see most women agree like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And married women who are like, let me tell you, that is so true, you know? Um, But, you know, research directly connects our platonic um, relationships to uh, a positive impact on our quality of life more so than our romantic relationships. But when you go even further and we talk about the benefits of female friendship uniquely, that has a great impact, you know, in comparison to female to male uh, friendships. And so it's interesting because these days, the only representation we really see for female friendships is like one extreme or the other. So it's us braiding each other's hair at a sleepover mm-hmm. or us having like a cat fight. So it's like, what model do you even have of how to talk something through, how to work it out and, you know, conflict, not necessarily being a sign that it has to be over. I love that. I feel like that must like have to, there must be a tie in there as to why people say you have to marry your best friend because that way your romantic relationship is also in a way a platonic relationship. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, essentially friendship should be the foundation of any romantic relationship. So sure. Mm -hmm. I want to deep dive more into like, this female friendship stuff and like what you do as a coach. I actually remember, I think ever since we started the, I don't get it Facebook group. Um, I've so often seen on the internet, people ask the question, how do I make friends at an adult in an adult age? And I think that that's like something that we should really deep dive into and address. Cause I I'm assuming that's something that you help people with. And I think it's really hard for people once they reach a certain age or they have kids or they're just in their adult life, or even now in a pandemic where, you know, depending upon where you live, you can't really go outside. Like how can we help people listening, help them make friends and, and yeah, what so advice do you all- give your clients? Yeah. So first of all, I didn't know there was a Facebook group, so I'll be joining that. Yay! Uh, you so- have to. It is lit. So many people. And I feel like people have really connected on there, which is, which has been really cool have. for our, the three of us to see. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Community is important. So that's really awesome. Um, yeah. I would say how to make friends is probably the number one request. And it always comes with some kind of qualifier. So it's how do I make friends as an adult? How do I make friends as a new mom, as an introvert, as a person new to the city? Mm. So it's like we all want to know for my unique situation, how do I do this? And I think 
the reason why it's such a huge thing is because we are out of practice Mm -hmm. and because our social environments um, upon which we would mingle and socialize have all been removed from the pandemic. You know, at least we used to see people at work, but that backdrop, you know, of socializing has been removed. As we get older, you know, you used to be with a bunch of people who are your peers in the dorm. So it was nothing to like go to a party or, you know, recess in the fifth grade. And Mm -hmm. so that environment was constructed for us. We didn't have to try or think about it. Mm -hmm. And now that, you know, we have different priorities that have emerged and are competing for our attention. You know, we're focusing on our careers, having babies, getting married, moving, now it's like, wait a second, you look up and it's, where do, where do my friends go? How do I do this? Um, and so, you know, there are a couple things that I think are really important. The first one I think is the most important thing to grasp and at the risk of sounding, you know, life coachy, but it really does start with the mindset first. And so the very first thing I like to start with is that we are using the phrase, meet new people and make new friends synonymously. And those two things are not the same. Mm. So we're like, how do I make new friends? But you're really talking about how do I meet new people? There's no shortage of new people. That's not the problem. Mm. The problem is connections with people. That's, that's why you feel like something's genuine connection. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm always saying, so if we can wrap our minds around that, the first step should be to kind of put your head on a swivel and look at the people who are already in your circle, who you are already somewhat familiar with, but maybe have dismissed as, you know, too old, too young, too nerdy, not nerdy enough. Like we have all these reasons why we're like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. But you've got tons of people in your circle who you have not made an effort to go deep with for whatever reason. And so starting there, instead of having to start from scratch, because making new friends really just means cultivating a meaningful relationship with another person. And who says you have to start that from scratch? So that's kind of like the first mindset change, I think. I like, I like that, that there's like people already around you. Maybe it's like a friend's friend that you've hung out with through a friend and maybe, so how do you, how does one maybe reach out? Like, how do they actually start to build that genuine connection with people already in our circle that we maybe haven't just chosen or gotten close to Yeah. So the first thing is to kind of get over, I know it's easier said than done, but you know, that fear of rejection research shows us that people actually like us more than we think they do. So we underestimate how much you know, new people rather, but how much Mm -hmm. they like us. And so to kind of get over the fear of rejection, the first thing I say, like, if you're nervous about that is to change your mindset from, oh, but what if she doesn't accept my invitation? What if this looks weird? And change it from focusing on that person's reception to you and your actions and what you can control. So just say like, oh, I'm a woman who puts herself out there. That's what I do. So whether she says yes or no, this is who I am. I put myself out there because otherwise you'll be totally immobilized. If you're like, ah, but I don't know. I don't know what she'll say. You know, so it's nothing to like, let's say you have a friend who's kind of like a mutual friend. I know it's random, but doing something where like you, you know, slide in her DMs and you're like, okay, I know this is random, but the other day I saw that thing down the road and it made me think of that party we went to two years ago. Remember? Oh, mm-hmm. I know this is random, but I have to tell you, cause it was just like hilarious. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. But it starts to keep me top of mind in her life. She's probably excited, like refreshed that I reached out, I got it going and it can pick up from there. And so even though, you know, even if it's random, I like calling it out. Okay. I know this is random, but I had to share this thing with you. Yeah. People, you're, I'm telling you that I thought of you. That is just flattering on its own, but it's about kind of like keeping momentum going, mm-hmm. um, intentionally extending a conversation, just like two more minutes than you normally would. But I think once we say to ourselves, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to keep it going. I'm going to ask her questions about herself. Um, Then I think we'll be surprised at how many opportunities open up. Mm -hmm. All right. So Lauren's not here, but she did give Hunter's mom, who if you listen to the podcast often know that she has a cat that she's (laughs) named Mikey again. So she had a Mikey one and then that poor do- that poor cat passed away and oh, then Mikey she got two. Mikey two. So now Mikey two loves his pretty litter. It's kitty litter, but it's reinvented. It's unlike traditional litter in the sense that pretty in the sense that pretty litters super light crystals trap odor and release moisture resulting in dry low maintenance litter that doesn't smell and pretty litter is virtually dust free because it's manufactured with a specialized de-dusting process so less dust no fuss it arrives to your door in a lightweight small bag that lasts up to a month and now 
we get little Mikey 2, these litter bags auto-shipped. So you don't have to deal with those last-minute trips to the store. And shipping is free. Yeah, and what's really cool about Pretty Litter, honestly, low-key, it's made me kind of want to get a cat just because... I mean, deep down, Ashley, you know, I like really want a dog, but like cats just like with the lifestyle I have now, like a cat would be better. And, but my Way big better. thing is like, I don't know if I want like a litter box. They're I've been so at people's pretty. houses where it smells, but See? now with pretty litter, I'm like, damn, well that takes like almost like all my concerns away. And what I think is really cool. And we is have that proof. If, exactly. We and have what proof I think, from Mikey that it works. Exactly. And I think what's really cool about pretty litter is that it's a health indicator. So it starts changing color when it detects potential underlying issues like within your pet, which I think is unreal. So get the world's smartest litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com. Use our promo code GETIT for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code GETIT for 20% off. Prettylitter.com, promo code GETIT. Um, how many people, like, is there a certain age group that you feel like struggles with, um, like feeling lonely more than any other and like desires new friendships more than any other? I have one in my head when I needed it, but I don't, um, I don't think that mine would be probably the average. I think what Naz was talking about, the average is probably like when you're in your upper twenties. Um, I think I really felt like I needed some in late high school and late college, which were like turning point times Mm. you got it it's definitely during those life transitions Mm -hmm. so there's one study that shows that it happens around 24 uh that your social circle grows exponentially until that age at which point it starts to decrease and when we think about well what else is happening at that point in our lives oh i've been totally removed from an environment saturated with my peers and so it's like where, where do they go and so it's normal for that to kind of be the time when you're starting to notice wait a second, it's hard to make friends. The friends I have left, I don't know how to communicate with you if you're across the country because we used to just be roommates. And so we have to like learn, how do I do this? How do I sustain this? Um, But beyond 24, yes, it's happening again and again and again at different life periods. And I think that's what throws us off is when we think about making friends, we tend to think of like, you know, young people, like go out there Mm -hmm. and make friends. And we don't realize like, oh crap, I'm going to have to do this like, seven more times when I move, when I get married, when I have a baby, if I divorce and I made friends with his friends and now I've got to make a new pair of friends. And so, you know, we have to do it again and again. So we might as well get the confidence and the skills to figure out how to do it because it's not going anywhere. I agree. I think it's really important and I'm so happy we're having this discussion. And I think, um, you know, I've actually, I've obviously read a lot about loneliness and I think when you get older in age, you know, those are the people, like the baby boomers now. I feel like those are the people that are really experiencing loneliness and sometimes it's hard for them to make friends. And I was also reading that there's been a lot of research done on like in our formative years, like when we're teenagers as women, like our female friendships actually kind of get us through life. You know, like those times where you're sort of like not going to your parents for things and you're going through like huge, like your first breakup of all time or getting a really bad grade, like it's so crucial to have like important good friends. And when you don't, let's say you grew up and you didn't have good friends. I was reading that like, it makes it really hard for you as an adult to distinguish friend from foe. So like if you Mm. grew up as a teenager with like, you know, people, girls that were maybe catty that you couldn't trust that were like mean to you, it's actually harder for you to establish those friendships later on in life. But something I wanted to all of us to talk about um, and ask you about Danielle is someone who's been, you know, single most of her life. I've obviously had a lot of friends that are, that have been in relationships, engaged or married. And then I have some friends, you know, that, that I found, you know, can totally leave their partner, hang out with me and still very much have like a circle and group of girlfriends. And -hmm. then I have friends that, you know, maybe have like one that they check in with, but don't hang out as much. And they don't really sort of leave the nest, I guess I would call it. What what is your take on that? Like, do Am you I think sort of it's in between? <laughs> I no, I think you have. Yeah, I think no, I think you have. You definitely have like a group of friends, and you hang out with your friends like away from Jared. But you're also the, like newly married, so it's like, duh, you're gonna be like attached so much more in the beginning as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but you're definitely. not someone that like can't not be around that person and that and it's not like Jared has to go with you to everything. No, yeah, totally. I have a friend who used to be like that with her husband all the time. Like getting her to come out for a girls night, she'd always invite her husband. We're like that's not what we were trying to do here. 
Right. And I have friends that that don't really have like girlfriends physically that they can like go hang out with and stuff. And so what's your take on that, Danielle? Because I've always thought like, I feel like we need like other women. We need that like sort of maternal feminine energy to be around, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you think? No, it is critical. And there's research that shows like the the literal uh, physical, mental, even neurological benefits of being with another woman. And it's so funny because, you know, TikTok is just so funny. And sometimes I'll put things up and, and the people who question me most, like if I share a fact or research or something is mostly men to which I'm always like, why are you here? Like, why are you here? Um, but you know, they're like, where did you get that? Where? And I'll be like, you know, I'll show you the links, but there's lots of research that shows that that woman to woman. And, and I guess in a common phrase, like how you just said, like that feminine energy, it's like, yes, there's truth to that. Like how you just get with another woman and you're like, man, this is, this is deep. This is different. Like, yes, my husband, my, my partner fulfills me, but this is a different kind of fulfillment. I feel seen, I feel understood. And, you know, even when we're stressing, like literally, you know, we're all kind of familiar with that study about, you know, fight or flight. But when that was originally done, it wasn't really done with women. And so they redid that study and they found that we have a greater range. We also have something called tend or befriend. So one of our stress responses is to seek out another woman. And when we talk to each other, just being together releases oxytocin, which brings down our stress. So literally I need you because just the way we communicate and socialize as women, that has an impact on my body and calms me down. And so again, I know how women could bring up, you know, singular experiences and be like, you know, women are the worst. I've had women who are, I'm sure that's because people are awful. That doesn't mean women are awful. Mm -hmm. People are awful. They let you down. But generally, collectively, when we get together, like, yes, there is a very real tangible impact on our our relationships. I had a firsthand experience of this because I'm like dating and I get like a lot of anxiety from from past trauma in dating. Mm So what, you know, when it's like new with someone, there's a lot of heightened anxiety and in a pandemic, you know, we're not really seeing people. So I had, um, I had made plans to have dinner with, uh, go to a friend's house for dinner one night. And I had a lot of anxiety that day. And I called one of my friends on the way to the the other friend's house. And she said, she's like, I bet you're going to feel so much better like when you're just sitting next to that person having dinner, like your friend. And I did, it was, it was really crazy how you could just like, it's almost like my body just felt less stressed because I like reminded myself physically I wasn't alone and someone was just there to like empathize and understand. I can totally see that. Yeah. See, that's really powerful. Yeah. So insane. You have to share this stuff with your friends. These are healthy snacks by Monk Pack. You guys are going to eat them together. You're going to share them. You're going to spread the word. Monk Pack (laughs) Keto Granola Bars contain only one gram of sugar, two grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories, and they're freaking delicious. They're great for anybody who's on a keto diet, um, but they're also the perfect snack for anybody who's just trying to, like, you know, snack better, like cut back on carbs or sugar without sacrificing the taste. I love them as like my afternoon snack. Like I don't have a big meal during the day. Mm-hmm. So I throw in like a couple snacks and Monk Pack is always one of them. I like them as like basically an after workout treat. It's like yeah. my little like, you say like, good job. Now have, now have something yummy. Yeah, exactly. That I eat them. I always have Zoom calls that are back to back to back. And now that I'm like spending basically all my time at home, I love cooking. But when I have Zoom calls that are back to back, I can't like just like run in the kitchen for 30 minutes, you know? So I like to have it as a snack in between my Zoom calls, just like hold me over till my next big meal. But they are so soft and chewy and the flavors are so delicious. Like the coconut cocoa chip or cocoa chip, however you say that word, is literally so, so good. They also have honey nut and blueberry almond vanilla. Um, They taste incredible and you just can't beat the fact that they have low sugar nutrition um, based on the taste that it provides. So yeah. Hey, can you actually bring some over tomorrow? Because I ran out of mine. Yeah. Can you remind me? Can you remind me in the morning? Yes. Okay. I'll forget. Uh, You guys, you'll be as addicted as we are. Try it for yourself and you'll see 
We have a special deal for our listeners, so you'll be able to try it out for 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our promo code, which is get it at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, go to monkpack.com. That is M-U-N-K. P-A-C-K dot com. Select any product, enter the code, get it at checkout and save 20% on any purchase. Monk Pack is delicious, nutritious food that you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. How many friendships get like unfortunately lost through the passage of um, different stages of life? Like single friends are no longer friends because now you're engaged or married um, your, you know, non-child friends are now no longer as close to you because you have a ton of kids. <laughs> How often does that happen? And I mean, what are the, are there any tips that aren't obvious to prevent that from happening? Well, I don't know. It's not obvious, but yeah. I'll give you some, I'll yeah. give you some. Um, well, a, a little of it is to be expected. I think a lot of us know intellectually that friendships fade. We're like, Hey, you know, friendships are here for a season. And like, we say it when it happens, we're like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And so a little of it's to be expected. You know, it turns out that we replace half of our friends every seven years. Whoa. And so it's like, if you think about that, like, who were you rolling with in 2014? Like half of them are probably gone. And it's because of things that you just listed. You know, life took me in a different direction or I have these things that popped up in my life. And now I literally have, I don't have the mental capacity to sustain all these things. Something's got to go, you know, and it's not Mm -hmm. personal. Um, And so, you know, there, you know, if if you have determined, no, you are a person I want in my life. I don't care what happens. We are going to make this work. You're my person. If that's something that you have determined for yourself, then you guys have to figure out, okay, well, how can we be intentional about being in each other's lives? I think some of us don't know how to have a friendship when that quote unquote natural chemistry is not there. And when we have to work at it, like it doesn't sound sexy at all to say, mm-hmm. put it on the calendar, but that's not yeah. sexy. But if you guys want to stay connected, that's exactly what you better do. You know, yeah. especially now, like I have to carve out time to say, you and I are talking every Friday for 30 minutes. That's it on the phone to catch up. That's it. It doesn't have to be all day. And I think some of us have to rethink hanging out or friendship. Cause I know a lot of career women are like, you know, I just don't have time for that right now. Like mm-hmm. I, I got so much, I don't have time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you need to rethink. Cause do you mean you don't have time to like hang out for hours at brunch? I get that, but you don't have 15 minutes to say like every Thursday, I, I need to hear your voice. What's up? What's going on? You do have time for that. So we've got to stop seeing friendship as a, a nice to have and a need to have. Yeah, I gotcha. completely agree. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What is your take on, um, you know, what What if you're in a friendship and, and I've seen this a lot in Facebook groups and on the internet too, where sometimes it feels one-sided. Like maybe you're in this friendship and you both love each other and you want to keep in touch, but no one's sort of making the effort or one person always is and one isn't. What advice would you give to people in that situation? Yeah, that's a common one to say like, oh, I feel like I'm always initiating. Like it's always me. And um, a couple things. First of all, that might be true. Like a lot of it is just keep it real. It might be true that when we start to tally it up, you asked her five times and she asked you one over the mm-hmm. past like two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things to keep perspective. The first thing I like to say is, 
Um, and I got this tip from Shasta Nelson, who's a friendship expert. And she always suggests to focus more on who is saying yes to your invitation and less on who got it started. So if I say to my friends, like, Hey, you guys want to like go out Thursday? You want to, and they're always saying, yeah, heck yeah. What time? Oh yeah, let's do it. I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up. I need this time away. That's Mm -hmm. what counts. And less about the, I had to say it, but I had to, okay, are they receiving it? And finding a way to be content with that. Now, maybe you need to have red flags for the friends who you're always reaching out and they're busy, they're canceling, they're dropping mm-hmm. the ball. Well, no, Flake, that says a little flaking. something. Yeah, 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 like, oh, so sorry, something came up and it's like the third time. That's yeah. something else entirely different. Um, right. Another thing I like to suggest is to, you know, resist the temptation to accuse your friend because a lot of us will get fed up and be like, so I feel like I'm always... I'm always the one who's, a, and and people can't help but to have a naturally defensive response. Right. So I like to suggest saying something like, um, like, let's say we finish, you know, having dinner. I might end dinner by saying like, oh, okay, that was delicious. Hey, listen, I feel like, you know, I'm always suggesting where to go and what time we should meet up. And I'm like, I'm pushing that on you. I don't even give you a turn. So how about next week? You pick out the place you want to go and what time works for you. And um, and that way I'm kind of giving you a chance to step into the role of initiator. Maybe you've, you've just never exercised it before. And I'm like, girl, you got this. Tell me next week where you want to go. That's great. (laughs) You know, yeah. Approach. It's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because bringing this up or my, I wonder if the same applies with men, right? Like when you're dating someone and and you're, maybe you're just someone that likes to make more plans. But it, it's funny, just the, that whole concept, right, of, of really fixating on, well, I'm the person that asked. Like, I guess you're right. Like, how is that serving you? If the person, if the other person on the other side, whether it's a female friend or a guy or your mom, if that other person's saying yes, does it actually matter that much? You know, and should we be fixating on that that much? Yeah, and I know it's hard because we we interpret, you know, initiative as as being desired, as being important, as being right. seen. And yeah, it feels good for somebody to say, "I was thinking of you. Do you want to come with me to this thing?" I'll, it feels good, so I get it. You know, I've I've been there where I'm like, "Well, dang," you know, it would be great if you asked me. You know, um, but if if they're a good friend to you and they're always taking you up on it, trying to find a way to be content with that. Yeah. I know that we'll get into toxic relationships soon, but I want to start with like the semi-toxic relationship where it's like the person that you love half the time and that you know is always there for you and like would always help you out if you were in a grind, but then they just drive you crazy the other half of the time (laughs) and say rude things and you're like, why do I associate with this person? What do you do in those situations? Um, you can start by saying, is there anything I can do to make you more tolerable? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, well, <laughs> don't first, do it's, it's, don't do that. Um, the first thing is to distinguish between like genuinely toxic and annoying. So people might disagree. And I think, which I always say, I think it's great. At least we're going and having a conversation. That's fine. But I, I always say that I think we're using the word toxic too loosely, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Toxic is like yeah. toxins, like poison, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so there's a difference between the girl who's like, you right. are toxic. Yeah. And that was freaking obnoxious. And so um, sometimes if it is something that's like so annoying and you're like, okay, this is hard for me to get past, like stop it. Um, Two, do two things. One, to ask them more questions than make statements. So instead of saying like, that's really annoying. Like every time you do that, it grinds my gears. Like stop. You know, people kind of get, you can't help but to take it personally. So even something as simple as saying like, okay, help me out. Why do you do that? Or where does that come from? Or what has happened to make you do that. I am curious because even that shows like, I want to understand, let's explore this together, but it kind of maybe even helps you have an understanding and maybe it brings it to their awareness of like, okay, this is obnoxious. So that's one thing. Um, but to determine if a person's like actually toxic, the mm-hmm. simplest way I can define it is that they consistently push your boundaries, mm-hmm. boundaries you have communicated because I'll see a lot of people say she's so toxic, but they never told the person like that thing is too much for me. We, we just kind of like gradually ghost them, but they never got a chance to even self-correct or even to know mm-hmm. that that was a, a hot button. So that's such a big issue in the world, right? Like it, whether it's dating friendships, fights with your parents, I think so often people are so afraid of conflict and being a little bit uncomfortable to then be comfortable for a long time. And I'll, 
never understand that. It's like people rather fade and not say anything or just like, oh, I, and, and I will argue in some cases it's fine. I don't think you need to have to say something every single time, like your judge Judy, but I do think there are things that can be corrected and people are just like, oh, this girl was so annoying. So, you know, we just like stopped hanging out with her and it's like, well, damn, like maybe if she knew that, You know, maybe if she knew that you didn't, you couldn't hang or had the energy to be around her for a couple more hours and that you could just give her, I don't know, maybe an hour or a walk a day, like she would probably, maybe she'd be down with that. And just so you know, guys, this episode is sponsored by Apostrophe, which is a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. So if you are that person that just looks in the mirror and you're like, I want to tackle this, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Um, Apostrophe is a company that could possibly help you out. We all know that prescription acne treatment really works, but let's be honest, it's hard to get. Sometimes you have to take time off work to see a doctor. You have to sit in line at the pharmacy for your medications. But now Apostrophe has come through and it makes it super easy to see a board certified dermatologist online. You don't have to leave your house. A lot of us aren't even leaving our houses anyway. And what's really cool is you'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. So all you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then you snap a few selfies and the dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. I like the fact that you get to see a real dermatologist and that your plan is tailored to you. Submitting your visit is really quick and you don't need to schedule an appointment, which is actually like mind-blowingly awesome. And then... There's a very nice unboxing experience. Like they, it comes with a cute postcard and stickers to personalize your prescription bottle. And you also didn't have to go to the pharmacy during these COVID times to get your meds. Which is huge. We got to be honest, going to CVS right now is a little freaky. So you guys can get $15 off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash get it and use our code get it. The code is only available for our listeners. To get started, you go to apostrophe.com slash get it. That is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E, like your regular grammatical apostrophe, apostrophe.com slash get it. You click begin visit and then use the code get it at sign up and then you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That is apostrophe.com slash get it and use the promo code get it to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. So let's say somebody is a lot, Danielle, or maybe someone Mm -hmm. that is naturally not compatible with our life and lifestyle anymore. How do you, how would you go about sort of shedding that friend? Is that a fade? Like, are you supposed to fade in that case? Yeah, so the first thing is, if you decide that it is something you want to address, to try to focus more on the impact the person's having and not character. Because it's like, I can't hear anything else you're saying if I feel like you're coming from me, the person. So, you know, a lot of times we're like, you know what, you're just too this. Or you just, you're not this enough. And it points to them as opposed to the impact, the results, the effect of what you're doing has this impact. And that's a lot for me, or I don't know how to do, I don't know how to deal with that. That way it speaks to me not being equipped to handle the situation or this personality type. Um, And that's totally okay. I always like to say if, if your cutoff is going to be like immediate and now you're like not responding, I do feel like you should say something just because I feel like nobody should have to go through that where you're wondering what happened and you, you, you just don't know. And then you don't hear from this person anymore. So for me personally, that's kind of like a dignified thing of like, okay, let me let you know. Um, but I think at least speaking to the impact and not the person, um, is helpful. And if you don't want to be somebody's friend, because it is a personality thing. I mean, that's important. I have to like being around you at the end of the day, you know, hopefully we're not being super picky about every little thing, but yeah, ultimately I want to enjoy you. And if I feel like this person is um, kind of emotionally exhaustive, you know, like for introverts, you feel like the extroverted friend is just, it's a lot. You know, I always say before you go to cutoff, can you either reduce the time and intensity that you invest? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that satisfies it. It's just like, okay, we normally text every day. I can only hang out like once a month. That way it's not cutting her off, but we just need to reduce the intensity of this. Um, So that sometimes is an alternative to just like totally letting them go. Right. And I think... I also want your take on like history. 
Because I think some people hang on to friends just because they've known them forever. Well, you know, we grew up together, so I, you know, she'll always be in my life. And I just, I don't know. What yeah. What is your take yeah. on that? That's totally a thing. And we see that in romantic relationships too, right? When we're like, girl, you need to leave. And she's like, yeah, but we've been together 10 years. And I'm like... Mm. But what's 10 more? Like, you're going to, like, dedicate, you know? Um, So, sure, history bonds us. You know, like, yes, we have all these memories together. We have shared experiences, which are known to, you know, be a a foundation of friendship, shared experiences. So we literally went through so many things together. I can't imagine my life without you. But honestly, I feel like once you get to a point where you are, quote, unquote, friends with a person out of duty, like, that's what I should do because we've been together since fifth grade. That makes me a little sad. I wouldn't want anybody to be my friend because they feel like they have to. Like, if I discovered that. They were, you know, like if you flip Mm -hmm. it around and I found out they were like, I mean, but I've been friends with her a while. So let's keep it going. I'd be like, oh my God, like release yourself. Like don't do me any favors, you know? Um, And I, and, and, and then I think another reason we need to reassess those things is you can still be civil with them, of course. And when you see them at family functions, like, you know, Hey girl, what's up? I mean, parties or whatever. Um, But I recently read something because I'm, I'm always studying and I want to know the latest. And so just two days ago, I I saw something that said, um, the number of friends you have is most important in your adolescence and when you're elderly, but the time in between, it's more about the quality of your friendships Mm, that in terms of like the impact on your health, literally. So I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it was saying something about, you know, for adolescents, when they have a low number of friends or none at all, it's literally causing like inflammation or something in teens. And then for the elderly, they're having health effects too of not having enough friends and at that right. stage it's because their friends are declining you know more rapidly they're passing Dying, away yeah, yes so yes <laughs> or they don't have the uh, mobility to get outside and mingle yeah, um right. but that middle area where we are it's more about the quality of our friendships so if that's the case then i don't have time to be sustaining a friendship that like bores me makes me sad brings me down because that's gonna have very real health impacts on me. So I'm not being generous by keeping her around. I'm wasting her time and it's going to affect me physically and emotionally. Um, so as far as like keeping people on, cause it feels like the right thing to do. I just don't know if there's any time for that. This happened to me in high school. Whereas like I was the butt of jokes for a lot of my friends. Like they were friends. They were like my best friends, but I would be like a little bit picked on and then you kind of laugh along with it, but it really hurts you. <laughs> what about those friends? <laughs> That's, That's such a, a great good question. question. That's like, did, really you guys, did you guys like experience that? Because like, I feel like everybody has that like best friend that's like a little bit of a bully to them until they mature and they're like, oh crap, I can't make fun of people like that. Yeah. Or they are in some cases they don't. And, and sometimes you, you are a little uncomfortable always in that friendship, but you just sort of like eat, eat it instead of, you know, or swallow mm-hmm. it instead of like saying something. Right, Danielle? Yeah, totally. I think we all do that, especially women. We're more prone to avoid conflict and because we don't want to make it a big deal or, you know, for whatever reason. Um, But yes, that um, is definitely obnoxious. Um, The first thing I would suggest is telling the person, but telling them one-on-one because people get very, you know, when there's a group dynamic, it's proven people get a little more, they puff their chest a little bit. So as much as you can in a one-on-one situation. And then, like I said earlier, whenever you're confronting anything, asking more questions than having statements prepared always. So saying like, okay, so yesterday when we went to dinner, you made that joke, you know, about like, you know, my clothes again, you know, um, where's that? What did you mean by that? Because I took it a certain way, but like, what did you mean? Sometimes people will change simply because they weren't aware or because you laughed, which was a cue that this is fine. Or Mm, really, they don't know that it's a sensitive spot. Like if we're just giving them the benefit of the doubt, they don't know that it speaks to something that really does ruffle your feathers. And so this Mm. is like our chance to self-correct. So instead of me saying like, yeah, well, you're always making smart comments. It's like, yesterday you said that thing. What? What was that? Like, what did you mean Mm -hmm. when you said that? Am I taking it the wrong way? You know? What and if that person gets defensive, yeah, I was just gonna say, and if that person gets defensive, I mean, Danielle, you obviously answer Ashley's question, but I, Naz thinks, if that person gets defensive, I think that's very telling of the type of friend that they are. Because I think if somebody approached me that way, I think maybe at first I'd be like, oh God, do I gotta like, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd be like, oh man, do I gotta moderate everything I say around them? And then mm-hmm. I take a step back. I'd probably like, you know, wait 30 more minutes and be like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I don't want you to ever feel that way around me. Like, you're one of my best friends. So I think it's very telling if a person gets defensive and doesn't wanna change around you on what type of friend they are. 
Totally, totally. And I'll even give them a little break to say like, okay, maybe you respond defensively right now, but the next time we're together, you don't do it anymore. So maybe it did kind of hurt or embarrass you for me to call it out. So you kind of get a little snippy in the moment, but as long as the next time we hang out, you didn't do it again. Um, But I mean, it is kind of a boundary setting because I'm letting you know, like that makes me feel weird. Every time you joke about my job or my, or me being single, like every time you do that, like it's kind of annoying. So that way I've told you, So now it goes back to what we said about earlier, you know, about toxicity. How do we determine that? And the definition Mm -hmm. is that they keep pushing your boundaries, but they can't be guilty if I never said to them, that's a boundary. So that conversation is me telling you like, girl, that makes me feel weird. Like every time you say that, I don't know, just like, it kind of bothers me. You don't have to understand. It just kind of bothers me. That is her cue to stop because at the end of the day, you know, people should, you should want to know your friend's boundaries because it Mm -hmm. helps you to love her well. So I need that information. So I know what works here and what doesn't, what makes you feel loved. And I would argue that that conversation is better had in person, if you can, Mm -hmm. or over the phone or FaceTime and not over text. Yeah, totally. What do you think? You need tone there. A hundred percent. And especially as women, we're very good at like reading subtext mm -hmm. and micro expressions and stuff. So all of that stuff's, all of that stuff's a part of the message. So I need to see like, how, how, how did you look and what was the tone of how you said that? So I can get the full message of what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Well, my husband is one of my best friends. And when we got married, we used minted truly, truly, we used minted for our incredible invitations your invitation <laughs> you your just, wedding invitation was amazing the coolest thing ever so we added little details which you can do with minted to make the invitation not only completely represent what the wedding was going to look and feel like but to also describe us so we had like the time of our wedding shown on the titanic clock and then we yeah. had the stamp. It was like, you know, it's not like a real stamp. It's like a fancy stamp. It, mm-hmm. um, and in it it's was like that the, gel em- kind the of Superman stamp. gel stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in it was the Superman emblem, um, but had our initials on it. So those are just a couple. Exa- oh, and then we had like be our guest. So there was a little bit of the Disney theme, romance tied into that. Roses. All of it was done through minted. Didn't and- you also have the gate? Or like some yeah, door replicated. Ah, yeah. Yes. So it was like like the actual gate that you would see going into Rosecliff, which is where yeah. the reception was for Ashley and Jared's wedding. It was replicated onto the invitation. And so Minted is this company that you should absolutely, absolutely use for anything, whether it's, you know, a baby shower you're having or a, a wedding, because it really just multiplies the joy of like getting an invitation about something that's like already super exciting and it's super personalized too. That's, that's my favorite thing is that with them, you're able to personalize so much. Uh, Also envelope addressing is free and it comes with free custom envelopes styled perfectly to match the design that you fall in love with. They have so many designs and quality material. Remember how like just just the the different textures of my invitation and all the different yeah, colors that we're so able cool. to to use um and they have a thriving design community guys they have you can discover so many independent artists they have people from over 100 countries across the globe designing for them and they also have um, design challenges that give artists a platform to share their creativity so you can start crafting your unique save the dates or invitations with minted and they're made custom for you and you guys because you listen to the i don't get it podcast get to enjoy 20 percent off your first order by going to minted.com slash get it that is minted m-i-n-t-e-d dot com slash get it g-e-t-i-t enjoy guys actually i'm not i'm not over the fact that you say envelope and i say envelope Mm -hmm. what if you have a friend that um that sort of uses you as a therapist and not Mm. and and i don't know how to specifically define this because i think (laughs) female friendships they technically are therapists right like we do unload on people but i think somebody just does it too much I've, I have, I, yeah, 
Thankfully, yeah. I don't have a friend like this, but I have friends that have friends like this and they tell me about it, how they'll just call and unload and expect them to be there all the time and text them all the time and just complain about stuff all the time. And I, and I really want this podcast to be more about empowering and building and strengthening, but I do think it's important to um, also address when, when you're in a situation like this and you don't know what to do. Yeah. So um, I like to suggest trying because there's no one way, but I like to suggest trying putting yourself in a humble situation. So saying something like, um, let's say it's her fourth time talking about her crappy job and you're just like over it. Um, So the next time she unloads, you know, when she's done saying like, gosh, yeah, that... That sounds really rough. You know, I feel bad because every time you tell me about this, I don't know what to say. Like, I I don't know how to help you. So at this point, I'm kind of curious, like, do you want me to work with you to find somebody who can probably help you through that so that doesn't happen anymore? Because that's my nice way of saying, I cannot help you. And it's, it's a lot for me to have to endure like the fourth, fifth rant. Can we put you in touch with somebody who can actually help you? Now, of course, if you say that condescending, like mm, maybe we should get you professional help, right? You know, that's totally different. But essentially mm-hmm. I'm telling her like, I'm not equipped to help. So what are we going to do about that? And again, hopefully she takes her, you know, cue, but it's letting her know I'm not really the one for that. Um, But yeah, I think that's one of, I always talk about expectations we have that set us up for disappointment and friendship. And that is one of them, expecting our friends to be our therapist. Your therapist is your therapist. And Mm -hmm. the whole like, oh, my friends are like, no, talking is therapeutic, but my friend is not my therapist, Exactly. you know, and we have to release her from that expectation. I love that. Well, I guess I kind of want to talk about like what you do when it comes to coaching. Like, do you mediate between friends or do you work with kind of like one friend who needs help in the department? Yeah. So it's mostly been one-on-one. So what that would look like is, you know, we spend an hour together and coaching is mostly about asking very um, carefully crafted questions. thought-provoking questions. So, you know, you know, the big thing about coaching is it's an unregulated industry. So you have a lot of people like, I'm a coach, you know, and they're not certified or anything. Um, but really your coach shouldn't be telling you what to do or using their life experiences as an example. Like what I do with my friends, you know, so it's an hour of me really listening, really prompting you with some thoughtful questions to help get you to some aha revelations on your own. And then always ending that session with developing like three or four things you are going to do over the next Mm. week. And then we follow up again. And the big difference between coaching and therapy is, you know, therapists tend to reach in the past to connect what happened to your past to the present. And I am not equipped to do that. So I can't help you unpack why your abandonment issues with your mom is affecting your ability to make friends. I have no idea, you know, go talk to your mom. But for me, coaching is where are you right now? And where do you want to be? Okay, great. So here are the things we're going to do. I don't know Mm -hmm. about your past. I don't know how that connects. So I think it's important for women to differentiate so you know how would you be best served. Um, And so if we ever do have a session that kind of starts to dabble into that, I'll redirect to like, right, right, right. And so what do you want? Like, what do you want right now? Mm -hmm. And that is what we're talking about. Um, And I know that there, you know, I have a a lot of psychologists in my circle who are great. um, But one thing I've noticed is sometimes people still leave feeling like, but what do I do? Like, that's great, like, conceptually, but what do I do? Um, and that's the goal I have is to try to meet the As gap between women. Yeah, who are like, yeah. that's cool, but what do I do? And we try some new things together. And and the highlight of my day is getting messages like, oh, my gosh, I had that talk. I led with Aww. that opening line you said. And it's totally cool. It, like, makes my day. That's great. What are some of the thought-provoking questions that you ask? I, I ask you just to share some with us because maybe some people listening have some trepidation towards like bringing on a coach. And I'm I'm actually super advocate of um of having coaches. I have a therapist. I I like to emulate like Tony Robbins and Oprah. Like they have teams, right? Like mm-hmm. Oprah has like a team of masters, which I is my dream to have one day. Like Deepak Chopra leading me through meditations in the morning <laughs> yeah. and like Tony Robbins helping me before a job interview. But like I, right now I have a digital wellness coach and he's helping me build a healthier relationship with my phone and he's helping me gain more hours in the day. So I'm like totally about coaching, but I know that there are a lot of people out there that are like, what is this? What does this even mean? You're not certified. So, so that's why I wanted you to share maybe some questions so people can get an idea of what a session with you is like. Yeah. So the questions are always going to be based on the conversation. So I don't have a list of, okay, I'm taking her through my eight questions. Never. And that way, you know, that's kind of an indicator of the active listening. Cause I'm listening to you. And based on what you just said, I'll know like, 
Hmm. And so the key to active listening and other women could take this like and use it in their relationships, but is to listen intently, obviously, and to listen for what the person's not saying. And that's kind of like, it takes some practice, but most of the questions emerge from that. So I hear what you're telling me, but I'm able to kind of listen and hear what you're not saying. And those are the questions I'm asking. What are you not highlighting? What are you leaving out? That's probably where I'm going to prompt questions. And after like a series of that, we have arrived someplace where you didn't expect. Um, I do know that one question I ask in every session at some point where it's relevant is what do you want what do you want because a lot of us will talk in circles but at the end of the day when I say and what do you want do you want to keep her in her life or keep her in your Mm -hmm. life it's like no Mm -hmm. and and so okay great that's what we need to be talking about how to exit the friendship with grace but that's what we need to be talking about not in circles about what happened last Thursday what do you want and so a lot of it is just having the fear where we can't really say it because now it's like crap, now I have to like do something about it. So a lot of it is just getting clear about what do you want? Do you miss your friend? Do you want to salvage the friendship? Great. That's what you want. So let's talk about how you're going to tell her, I miss you. And, Mm -hmm. and then let's talk about how you're going to emotionally prepare yourself for the possibility of responses. She might not write back. She might say, I don't want to reconcile. She might say, yes, how are you going to deal? Um, But a lot of it's getting clear about what the heck you want in the first place. What's um the most popular thing that people usually go to you for? Um, it's either, I would say number one is about a friendship issue. I'll say like when I get questions on TikTok and DM, it's about making friends. Um, but when it's like we are having a session, there is a friendship issue with a particular woman. And um, I've always said like, there's not really anywhere to talk about that. Like if you think about it, like if you're having an issue with your friend, if you talk to your romantic partner, sometimes they seem detached, like, oh, well then cut her off. And you're like, okay, babe, it's not that simple. Or if you talk to your parents, they feel a little removed. And then a lot of us don't feel safe to talk about our friends and our friendships because it's like, am I going to look like I'm talking behind her back or I'm not equipped to talk to her yet? And so you have to talk it out with somebody who you know is not going to be biased and who's just like, mm, interesting, before right. you feel equipped to go and tell that friend. So a lot of it is like prepping to have a conversation or to not. Um, last summer, one of the top things was um, having an issue with starting to see your friends differently. And I think that's mm. because of all that happened last summer. You've got a tense election. So we're looking at our friends sideways like, wait, you believe what? And you have you know issues of racial justice that are front and center. And now you're looking at your friends like, what did you just say? And so a lot of people last summer, the issue across the board, a theme was, I don't know that I can be friends with these people anymore. And I don't know what to do. Um, So it kind of changes in terms of like, based on what's going on in the world, really, then I'll start to see some themes emerge. Wow. That's really interesting. Should we talk about mourning friendships and it's feeling like a breakup? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to save. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And then right before, you know, we we leave with you, Dana, I want to talk about the power of deepening your friendships during the pandemic, because I know that's also on a lot of people's minds. But yeah, Ashley and I were talking about this before we got on with you. You know, I've been doing Heartbroken Anonymous almost four years now. And I think one of the most astounding things that I've taken away and learned from hosting these, it's a support group for people that are heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And so people come and they share stories of all kinds of heartbreak is I don't think people realize that friendship heartbreak hurts sometimes way more. And actually, I I wouldn't even say sometimes I'd go as far as to say oftentimes Mm. more, I don't know if actually oftentimes and sometimes is the same thing. Is that the same thing? More than, more than, (laughs) I don't know. I'm talking in circles now, but so many people come because they are experiencing a breakup with a friend, a platonic breakup with a friend. And it is just excruciating and people don't know how to navigate this. So Ashley and I really wanted to deep dive with you on the pain of grieving platonic breakups. Yeah, I think uh, the first reason that's so difficult, I think, is cultural, because a lot of the dialogue around friendship breakups are kind of like, you know, well, you know, good riddance anyway. Like, if she's going to act like that, you don't need her. And it's kind of like, and then we're over it. Like, even when we go to friends about like, oh, that kind of hurt my feelings. It's, oh, my gosh, you know what? Like, forget her. If she's going to be like that, then forget it. You know, you didn't need her anyway. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not enough space to grieve with your friends because we're not used to it and we don't know what to say. We don't um, give room for the grieving process with platonic friends. Um, I think some of it is us trying to be hard a little bit too, um, to act like it didn't hurt our feelings because it feels, you know, vulnerable to say and maybe childlike to say like, man, it just 
hurts my feelings or I miss my friend. Um, I don't know that we are comfortable settling into it either. Um, and why we also is don't- that? Why, why is it just because we weren't accustomed to having those conversations growing up? Like, I wonder why we've been socialized to not know how to deal with friendship breakups. Maybe because we never really saw it happen in movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's my thought too. What I was saying earlier, like we see this image of like getting along such female chemistry or like, she's awful and I hate her, but like, where's the model? So for example, you know, and our, you know, friendship, like membership group that we have tonight, we're actually talking about, um, the show insecure. And that's mm-hmm. one of the first times I have seen friendship represented yeah. well, where you yeah. were like talking about like, I feel yeah. off with you. Do you feel off, girl? I do right. feel off too. Okay, we'll talk about that later. The like, breakup when between do you see that? Yeah, the breakup between Issa and Molly on Insecure is is the biggest arc in like the last season we've seen. And anyone you talk to that's seen Insecure is just like the, you feel weird, right? Like so many people are like, this was a good season, but I didn't like it because Molly and Issa were like fighting. And and I think you're absolutely right. I totally forgot about that. That that it's like the main breakup, Ashley, in that show. Mm-hmm. is between the two best friends oh. but like, like in a really rooted in a real real way you know yeah and there's just one scene they're in the grocery store and literally they're like I feel we're kind of off and it's like yeah we are kind of off okay we'll talk about we'll talk about that and it's like when do you hear women acknowledge like this feels weird but we're cool right this feels weird okay see you tomorrow okay yeah. something's weird yeah. you know like who who's who's saying that where do we see that so I wonder if some of it comes from not even knowing how to go through a process of a friendship breakup because where's the model for how to mm-hmm. for how to do that and there aren't enough cultural resources for that like if you were to find a, a search for a book on Amazon there's tons of books on mother Motherhood, marriage, you know, how to be a boss in the boardroom. There's like nothing really for like, my friend broke my heart. Like I cannot stop thinking about what could have been, or maybe if I didn't Mm -hmm. say this. And, and I think it's also painful too, because of the nature of friendship. Like it's kind of a relationship where you volunteered to be a part of it. I mean, I know you do that with romance too. It's like your chosen family. Yeah. I guess I just like, I don't understand because I've never experienced it, but what's the root cause for most friendship breakups and like why would you do it if it's gonna hurt so bad and like um yeah i don't know it just feels like is it because like just going growing apart just in different spots mm-hmm. and you just continuously are growing apart and you're like oh shit we have nothing to relate over anymore and like this is kind of the pinnacle i well, think that's a called- big one right yeah, and friendship fade, you know, is, is common. I feel See, like that's I, friendship less... fade. I've yeah, totally yeah. experienced, but yeah. and like that doesn't really hurt because you kind of drift apart because you know that you're not really like in on the same page of life anymore, and you don't really want to associate with each other's lifestyles. Like I had one with um, getting out of it was going into college. My best friend all of high school, she just she had a whole different personality in a whole different yucky in my opinion lifestyle and it was just like oh wow we don't jive anymore because you are totally different i understand going to college and be and becoming different but like you took on you took on stuff (laughs) yeah i think when your values don't align it's really hard to have the same to have a friendship right like you can have opposing views you can have different religious reviews cultural backgrounds but if you don't have the same values like if you don't want to have good friends if you don't value family if you don't value people's time then like i think it's hard to really like coexist with people like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. And I think what's hard too is sometimes it's complicated. Like sometimes I might say, okay, I have to cut a toxic friend out of my life and I miss her. Uh, like we're not yeah. even having that conversation that, yeah. yeah, are you prepared that when you cut her off, even though we're saying like, you need to let her go. Yeah, I need to let her go. Then we're not prepared for like the residual emotion of like, oh my God, like I really miss hanging out and that's okay. You know, so just even missing a friendship where I I miss what was and I'm longing for what was um, can be hurtful. So not necessarily we had a huge blowout, which is common, but just because like, man, I wish I had that back. Like what we had, that season of our life was so great and I can't get over wanting that back. Mm -hmm. What do you... we talked about insecure, like Molly and Issa just feeling off. And don't you guys all, don't the both of you feel like you just know when you're off with a friend? Like you're like, it just feels off. And like, I feel like eight times out of 10, the other person knows that it feels off too. So what do you do? What do you suggest to do when, when it feels off? 
I mean, it's kind of like a theme here, but I always believe in surfacing what the thing is, you know, because talking like, to, about it. Yeah, to your point, yeah. you know that they feel it too. So isn't it more tense that you both are feeling it, but you're acting like you're not? Uh, you know, you know, I remember being with a friend once and she arrived somewhere we were supposed to hang out and and she kind of had like an attitude and wasn't herself. And it was like, I was going to push through and just act like, okay, well, let's just keep acting like things are normal, even though women have great intuition and we both know something's wrong. And at some point I was just like, okay, what's up? Cause I feel like what's going on. You're not you. Where's your energy at? Is, is something going on? Did I say something? But it gives her a chance. Now I think of course, if you have a friend who like, that's her go-to is to like be silent and weird in hopes that you'll ask, you know, like that's a communication thing. She needs to figure yeah. that out. But mm-hmm. as far as like, we both feel like it's weird. Let's talk about it. Sometimes it's helpful to take what we do in a romantic context and put it in a platonic context so we can understand mm-hmm. because with your partner, you would, you'd be like, okay, I feel like you're acting weird. Like what? It, right. Like it's nothing, but with our friend, we're like, oh my God, I think she was acting weird. I'm going to go tell my friends. I think she was weird last night, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's like, why is it so different? <laughs> it's so silly. But I think we are. I, I just learned, you know, I'm reading something and it was talking about how there was a study done with a group of young kids and um, they started to get into it over a board game and they studied a group of young girls and young boys and the boys are more likely to push through, to argue, to keep playing and argue and push through and play. And the girls, as soon as it gets weird or they get in a, a little tizzy about the game they'd rather all stop they get reticent yeah yeah that's and so you know we're kind of prone to be like "Eh, i don't want to touch it at all but it's like i think if we rewire our brains to see that there could be closeness on the other side of the conversation that i might have this talk and be like oh my gosh i didn't know you felt that way oh i didn't know that that we could end up being closer i think if we realized that then maybe we'd be a little more eager to do it i love that wow we, this has just been so fabulous. Obviously, before we let you go, we have to ask, you know, living in unprecedented times, a lot of people can't see their friends. I, I'm actually getting to an age where my friends aren't, don't even live near me anymore. Mm-hmm. Ashley's moving. We just uncovered in the last podcast. So I'm like sad to lose her in LA. Like, I feel like how do all you- my friends are scattered around the country at this point. Yeah. Like it's like a, a different time zones. It's, it makes it even harder Um, And on top of being in a pandemic, so how can we deepen our friendships during the pandemic? Yeah. So the first thing I want to suggest is to get clear about like who your people are. So, you know, I I know a lot of extroverts are hurting right now because we're used to like going to the party and working the room. But the thing is, is that person will leave the party feeling a little less connected because they tried to go wide instead of going deep, as opposed to the introvert who sat on the couch and had a 45 minute conversation with like one other person. They're more connected. And so I feel like First, get clear on who are your people because you can only pour into so many people. And there's a a popular study that people often refer to, and it's called Dunbar's number. And he argues that you only have like the mental capacity to sustain, you know, five close friendships. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, like if you are married or have kids, that number is probably smaller because you're giving your mental and emotional energy other places. And so Mm -hmm. start there, like who are your people? And then saying, okay, um, this is my person and I want to go deeper with her. Um, because you only have so much time and energy. And so, you know, Shasta Nelson, who I mentioned earlier, she's known for uh, talking about something called like the frontimacy triangle. And she argues that you need to have three things for it to feel deep. The first is consistency. So that means I am seeing you. We are going to see, talk, communicate regularly, consistency. Mm -hmm. The second is vulnerability. So we're having meaningful conversations when we do talk. It's not just surface. And then finally, positivity. So let's say I see you a lot and we have deep talks, but to your point earlier about the burdensome friend, every time we talk, it's like, ugh, like complaining. It's not positive at all. So once you find, like, let's say those three women, you're like, I need to be deeper with her. How can you increase the consistency? How can you increase vulnerability a little bit, put yourself out there, and how can you make sure that it's a positive interaction when you guys are together? If you mm-hmm. intentionally make sure those three things are in place, then you're naturally going to feel closer to them. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think, yeah, that's perfect. I like the way that you ended that because that's some really good advice. I think because a lot of people do focus on that quantity versus quality thing. And to know that you could just, just five really is suitable. I think it's going to make feel a lot of people feel good out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's helping during the pandemic. I think people are starting to appreciate friendship more and be like, gosh, I don't even have the energy to maintain that. Or they're starting to appreciate the people 
who are their people more because it became mm-hmm. more yeah. clear. Like who are the people yeah. you even want to see? And you realize the others you were just keeping up because it was like fun to socialize and you wanted right. like a squad. But when you really get down to it, who are like your real people, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, Danielle, such a wealth of knowledge. You were so, so great. Where can people find you um, if they want to just follow you on TikTok and Instagram or if they want to open a coaching session with you? Yeah, so all our resources, um, our podcast, which is called the Friend Forward Podcast, all that stuff can be found on betterfemalefriendships.com, really easy. And if you're like uh, listening and you're like, okay, this is all good, but I feel like I need a community. Like I don't even have friends to start the stuff with. Um, We do have a membership and you can download it wherever you download apps. It's called the Friend Forward app. So I think those would be two ways to to start getting connected. Is that like Bumble Friends? (laughs) <laughs> it's a, you know what's funny is bumble bff i've heard so many like Good success stuff. stories so i'm always like girl go swipe like go get your That's swipe amazing. on go meet yeah. some people this one's a little bit different because we have virtual events and so i'm creating a space to like do things with the friends so for example you know at the time of this recording next week is you know valentine's and galentine's so we're having mixology lessons and we're going to learn how to like make drinks you know so there are virtual events and then also every week i drop in a little like friendship lesson like modules and they get homework and tips and so it's a little bit different because we're doing the work so go get your friends and bumble bff and then come do the work at friend forward Oh, awesome. Okay. Yes. Thank I love you. you. And we were so lucky to have you on our, you know, technically our Valentine's Day episode because this Sunday oh, is perfect. Valentine's Day. And I just want to also plug in something real quick. If you are going through a breakup, whether it is a friendship breakup and um, you need somewhere to go and just remind yourself you're not alone or you're going through a real breakup or whatever it is that's on your heart, I'm actually hosting two free Heartbroken Anonymous meetings on Valentine's Day. I'm doing one at 9 a.m. in the morning and one at 5 p.m. in the evening, both Pacific time. So that way, wherever you are are listening in the world, there's a meeting you can go to. Um, And they are free and signups are officially open at heartbrokenanonymous.com. So yeah. Thank you guys so much. And Danielle, thanks for joining us on our Valentine's Day episode. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Did you know that everyone has an aura? Do you know what color your aura is? Maybe you have a fiery red personality or a quiet and calm blue or green. You could be an organized and methodical yellow or an explosive purple. Come join me, Mystic Michaela, on my podcast, Know Your Aura, to find out all about how your personality can be explained in colors. I don't get it. Podcast.